Welcome to Value-Based Care Insights, brought to you by Lumina Health Partners, a national healthcare consulting and leadership development firm focused on improving the strategic, financial, and operational performance of provider organizations and its leaders. On this program, we explore trends and share valuable insights on how health systems and medical groups can navigate this increasingly complex healthcare environment and shift then to transform the delivery of care. Value-Based Care Insights is hosted by Daniel Moreno, Managing Partner of Lumina Health Partners. With over three decades of experience, Daniel specializes in helping organizations shape their strategic initiatives in areas of population health, clinical integration, physician alignment, information technology, and board retreats. For additional insights, visit our website, luminahp.com, and sign up for our newsletter. Dan, over to you. Welcome to Value-Based Care Insights. I'm your host, Daniel Marino. Very excited about today's episode. If you've been listening to the last couple episodes, um, this is a third part series where we've dove into uh, discussions around risk-based contracting. First episode was a replay that we did with my colleague, Cliff Frank, um, was initially recorded last October. We spent some time talking about the foundation of risk-based contracting. Episode two um, is where we brought Cliff back. And due to the fact that there's been a lot of changes with regards to risk contracting, particularly in the MA space, um, CMS made some new announcements. Cliff and I spent a little bit of time talking about what some of those changes are and how providers need to reposition themselves for success within risk. And a big element coming out of that conversation was the need to really create sound models, really moving from retrospective to prospective models and understanding data, the performance outcomes, all of those things that are going to drive change for providers in the clinical setting. Well, in today's episode, we're going to dive into what that data means, what the models really um, should look like, moving to a prospective risk model. Uh, At the end of our conversation today, I have a really exciting announcement to share with everybody um, that really looking forward to to making some real changes and and support with a lot of providers um, within the industry. So with that being said, um, I have... Great guests today. QRC Analytics is an analytics firm. Um, we at, at Lumina have done quite a bit of work with them over the years. They have a lot of expertise in, um, in extracting a lot of clinical data, claims data, um, helping organizations prepare for risk, monitoring risk, monitoring the performance of risk-based contracts. Here today to, to talk with me is Gene Rondelet. Gene is the founder and president of QRC Analytics and his partner in crime, Paula Gallagher, vice president of sales and marketing. Paula and Gene, welcome to the program. Thank you. Hi, Dan. We're excited to be on. Paula, let's let's start with you. You know, um, as we've talked about, you know, again, Risk-based contracting have have really changed. Um, a lot of providers, uh, I think, have started to really build their capabilities on understanding RAV scores, understanding quality, understanding HCCs, understanding where they need to, what their information needs to 
needs to, to look like as they're, as they're optimizing some of these contracts. What are some of the things that you've seen as real challenges to providers to ensure their success as they've engaged in these risk-based contracts? Um, from my perspective, going into an organization, I'm kind of um, an early adopter into the organization when they're getting ready to uh, move to more downside risk. And one of the challenges I have as I am prepping an organization to get ready to work with QRC is letting the organization understand the data that is needed to take a full holistic look at the organization. We need administration buy-in, we need physician buy-in, we need revenue cycle buy-in, we need HIT buy-in, and um, working with organizations so that they understand this holistic view of data and how to apply it to the right. And members. really plotting that course, right? So exactly. if they're at risk, you know, and again, there's upside risk and there's downside risk. Nobody wants to pay back a check. Everybody, you know, you're focusing on performing. You really do have to have that full buy-in. But I also feel like you have to have a clear understanding on what, what, what the information that's needed. And in order to get the information, you have to have the right level of data. So, you know, Gene, I know you've, you've spent a lot of time, you've worked with large health systems around the country. Um, I'm, I'm building these models. Um, in, in your opinion, are, are providers capturing the right level of, of either quality data, performance data, claims data, um, or is it that they don't have it or maybe they just can't extract it and make sense of it? I think the biggest challenge is getting the providers to understand the difference between their clinical workflow and what the financial needs of the organization are as far as revenue and understanding the connection between the two. That the physicians are, you know, they're clinicians, and so they're looking at things clinically. But, you know, they put things into the, the, the visit note that represent what they're doing accurately, but then making sure that there's a connection between what's in the visit note versus what is um, updated in the problem list, what um, diagnosis codes get captured, and making sure that those things all tie together, making sure the right level of specificity on the diagnosis codes, and that's becoming more and more important as the newer models are coming out that the um, CMS is requiring that specificity. If you don't provide it, you won't get reimbursed. Right. And it needs to be presented in a way I would think that it has to translate to the clinical workflow, right? So as you're getting this level of information, like I said, it needs to be incorporated into the problem list, incorporated into the care plan, incorporated into the conversation that these physicians are having with patients. So you can really make that change. But but Gene, it, 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 it's, it, I immediately then go to the, the concept that we've talked about Moving from this, this concept of, of retrospective information or modeling to being prospective, right? So understanding what we need to do going forward to drive that change, I think moving to that prospective model, that, that's a necessity in my mind of the success of these contracts. Correct. Yeah, the, the pro prospective model is much more efficient for within the clinical workflow, and it just it's much more accurate. Everything just works much better. You know, like we said, it, it requires the entire organization to be bought into the process. And it's really important before you take that downside risk that you use a retrospective model to try to train the organization to what is coming. And so you, right. when you look at the visit notes, you have your auditors look through the notes and say, what was missed, you know, what was documented, but not quite close enough that we can't capture properly and use the opportunity before you're taking that downside risk 
to kind of get the machine well lubricated and functioning properly. And then when you get to the so when part, when organizations make this change from retrospective to prospective, um, you know, again, they're they're extracting their own data. I, I sort of think about retrospective, and I had a conversation with a vice president of managed care just you know not too long ago, and they were like almost 100% relying on the payers to give them this information and really understanding what their performance is and then trying to apply it going forward. And I said, well, you know, look, by the time the payers give you this information, it's too late, right? You need to have these models. You need to put them in place ahead of time so you're able to drive some of the change. In your opinion, uh, Gene, what, what's some of the data that's required or what's the data that is required in order to build this prospective risk model? Really, the probably the, the single most important one is having the ability to see what HCC diagnoses were previously captured for a particular patient, and if they're not acute, making sure that those get captured on, a, on an ongoing basis. You know, they have to be captured every year. And one of the best ways to manage that is using the problem list and making sure the problem list is accurate, has all the HCCs um, diagnoses that are appropriate. And then using that to drive as new visits come along, and then also. Um, using algorithms when a patient comes in to see if there's any clinical indicators that there's a potential HCC diagnosis that hasn't been captured yet. Um, then you also being more uh, prospective, if you will, using um, AWVs as an opportunity to capture HCCs, um, preparing for when a visit is scheduled and is about to happen and making sure you have enough information to support that. But one of the biggest ones is identifying patients that have not been seen. Right. A lot of times, you know, providers are more um, passive about, okay, a patient shows up, but the organization needs to be more active and looking forward and say, okay, I've got patients who we're at risk for and we haven't even seen. So, A, you're not capturing the diagnoses that you should be getting reimbursed for, and B, you're not managing those conditions. And so that is the big the big win on, a, a, on this kind of a contract is that if you're managing the patient properly, you're getting paid for the risk. And so if you manage it properly, you're making money. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and that's such an important point, but it really comes down to making sure you're extracting that right level of information. As you said, Gene, it's, you know, the HCCs, the diagnosis, the problem list, and so forth. Paula, thoughts? Yeah, you know, the um, retrospective, Gene is being awfully um, modest about that, that first step of making sure that the, the data is accurate because it can take our organization a while to, to verify that the information coming out of a health system is accurate. And when we look at the retrospective, it also gives us a little eye into possible training needs, into possible areas where the organization might be needing additional assistance to get where they need to be before they're taking downside risk. And this isn't an easy process by any stretch. Right. Making right. sure that and data is accurate. Well, and and I that, that kind of brings me to my next point as I was thinking, you know, as you were describing this, Gene, there's been a lot of focus on the RAF score, right? So, you know, I think early on, year, year and a half ago, folks spent a lot of time thinking about how to create accuracies of the RAF score. And and again, I think, you know, good, bad, or indifferent, possibly some providers have maybe overemphasized the support or the calculation of the RAF score, but it is an important driver as you're thinking about how to create that, you know, that, that true care directed support to patients who need it. 
Paula, as you think about the RAF score, as you think about providing that right level of support, how do you position it appropriately so the RAF score is accurate, so you're actually able to drive a lot of change to the patients within the clinical setting? First thing that we would do with an organization is we try to assess where the organization is. And we take a look more at the HCCs than the RAF score. The, you can't really change a RAF score. You can really affect it by the HCC. So that's really where we we really pay attention to, as Jean had mentioned, if they're being properly um, assigned to diagnosis, how they're working with their HCCs to, to really be able to affect the organization's overall score and to make sure that it's compliant and that it's accurate and that they're getting the appropriate reimbursements for the population they're caring for. Yeah, absolutely. If you're just tuning in, I'm Daniel Marino. You're listening to Value Base Insights. I'm having a great conversation today with Gene Rondelet, Paula Gallagher from QRC Analytics, and we're talking about the data needs, the um, modeling requirements uh, that are important on driving a lot of these risk-based contracts. So, Paula, just kind of building on what you had just said, you know, the Capturing and recapturing of the HCCs is critical. Having the data elements, uh, both I think in terms of the claims data and the quality data is really important. But at the end of the day, we have to create these level of reports, these insights, if you will, to really drive clinical operational change with the practices, right? Because if it can't translate well to the clinical workflow of the physicians, then I think these these many of these contracts, um, I, I think many of these providers are going to be challenged in really performing well in these contracts. Would you agree, Gene? Thoughts? Yeah, I think that that you know, what Paula mentioned is a really important point. That from a clinical perspective, you know, as a clinician mindset, they don't think about RAF scores. It just that's a, just a you know it's just a, it's a number. It doesn't mean anything to them. But if you tell them they need to recapture diabetes, that makes perfect sense to them. And so we really try to focus more on the the actual recapture of the diagnosis code that is the HCC. Right, right. This is the part that uh, has always been important to me. You know, we've done uh, a lot of revenue cycle work over the years um, and have helped many organizations um, with their compliance program. And I know you all have done a great job on building these risk model compliance. Um, I'm looking forward to, you know, working with you on, on really creating a strong risk model compliance program that kind of incorporates the right level of modeling with, as well as a lot of the policies and procedures and the elements that are going to be critical on supporting providers in, in the event that they are audited. Because I think it's, it's always scary. And, you know, as we've talked about before, Gene, you know, was, as long as they've been able to demonstrate that they have the ability to self-monitor and self-govern themselves, that goes a long way towards, you know, ensuring that level of, of compliance. Um, Paula, let's, let's kind of change the discussion a little bit. As we think about where contracting is going, Medicare Advantage, some commercial risk-based contracts, as hospitals are starting to consider, consider taking on additional risk, are there, two or, are there two or three things that are top of mind that are really critical that, that these providers need to think about or really give strong consideration to as they build the right level of modeling, the right level of data, the right level of reports? 
Absolutely. And when I talk to organizations that are still primarily fee-for-service, moving to value-based contracting and eventually to downside risk, we encourage the sooner they assess how they're capturing HCCs, the better. If you're not taking downside risk, it, you don't have the compliance issue and the deletes and the returns. You can still work pretty transparently with, with organizations to make sure you're doing it correctly and accurately. And then from there, you can decide what are the best contracts to participate in based on the maturity of your organization and move along an appropriate path so that you're so that you have a sustainable model for caring for patients and that you can continue to get the appropriate revenue again to care for your patients because you're going to care for them regardless. Right. Right. And, you know, these contracts build on one another, you know, yeah. as we we've negotiated managed care contracts for many, many years in the fee-for-service side and the fee-for-value side. And I often say, as you're negotiating the first, this contract, right, you have to think about the next contract, even though you're not negotiating for it, but how is this contract going to impact the future contract? And typically, when you're managing these fee-for-value contracts um, and taking risk, you're only going to be asked to assume more risk. Yep. And, you know, so, so you know, Gene, I, I guess I'll throw this back to you. And I, I do want to apologize, Gene. I think I mispronounced your name. I was doing it kind of quick. Rondine is your, is your last name, right? I, I, I mispronounced that. I do apologize for it. Um, but but as, um, as we're thinking, Gene, about the data, as we're thinking about where these risk-based contracts are going, you know, from your perspective, what are some of the what do the payers really have to consider as they're negotiating these contracts that are critical elements on driving these success? Well, one of the things the payers are generally would like to get is more clinical information, but that's generally problematic. And that's why it's nice to have an organization that sits between the payer and the provider organization that can have access to the clinical data to run out yeah. that so that there isn't the privacy issues and we can actually dig a lot deeper than the payer. But then getting the payer to give you, you know, the provider organization access to data that they have that you don't have is critically important. And the time to do that is when you're negotiating the contract, make sure that, you know, one of the things we love to see is if we can get the pair to say, these are the HCCs that we see that you have captured so that we understand to make sure that everything's in alignment that, you know, we thought an HCC was permitted and they didn't recognize it. We need to know why. And so right. very important to kind of close that loop and they're generally a little reluctant to do that. And so it's been somewhat challenging. And that's the best time to do that is during contract negotiations. Well, and I, you know, some time ago, it reminds me, Gene, of, of that comment that you just mentioned. Some time ago, I had a, um, I was part of a panel that uh, we were working through managed care contracting. And one of the, um, the facilitator asked a question to me and said, you know, when you're talking about collaboration and sharing of information with a payer, what are some of the key things that are important? And as I sat back and thought about it, in my mind, it came down to three things. One, the provider has to have good sense of their data, right? They have to have a strong model. They have to believe in their data. And in some cases, the information, in most cases, the information that they get really has to be better than what the, what the payer gives them. And they should be able to get that because they have access to the clinical data. Right. Second to that is you're going to get data from the payer. We have to use that data as that we get from the payer 
as a tool to develop our understanding and drive change, not really as a defensive mechanism. And a lot of times providers will jump to being defensive because oftentimes the information we get from the payers, you know, is, is sort of less in terms of the financial implications than what we as providers think we have. And then third to that, as you're thinking about either the financial reconciliation or the performance going forward, you need to take both the, the data that you're getting from the payers and your own model and really evolve that for future change, both in terms of the contract that's gonna be important going forward, but also in your clinical setting. So, so really understanding the model, the payer data, operationalizing that, those are really the three key things that I found that have been absolutely critical to performance. I agree, yeah, the, the, just following the entire life cycle of the data. As mm -hmm. the provider organizations collect it, they send it to the payers, the payers you know, either deny or pay claim, or you know, set the reimbursement, I should say, and then figure out why they set the level and what they set it at, and making sure you're all in agreement. Absolutely. And I think if they do that, that's what's really going to allow providers to be successful on these risk-based contracts, plus, you know, allow them to, again, mitigate some of their risk going forward. Well, at this time in the show, I'm really excited, guys, to make this announcement. Um, I know, Paula, Jean, this is something that, you know, we've been talking about for quite some time. We've been working uh, alongside each other for quite some time. Um, so to our audience, I'm really pleased to announce that Lumina Health Partners and QRC Analytics are coming together as a program collaboration. Um, we are, we are the, the title of the program is going to be QRC Luminate. It's an integrated program of data analytics, risk-based modeling, combined with clinical and operational change with the goal of driving true performance improvement and optimization, true success from a lot of these managed care contracts that providers are undertaking. I, I personally, I'm really excited for this. Um, you know, in Lumina, we've done a lot of contract negotiations and have done a lot of clinical redesign. We've not had access to a data partner. Um, working with QRC has been fantastic. And, you know, Paul and Jean, I know, you know, uh, with you, you've sort of struggled with some of the operational things as well. So, any thoughts that you could share, Paula? We are super excited about this. You know, you know, I've been wanting to do this for a long time because I was very excited to be able to bring an organization data that they can use to drive change and operationalize, particularly the contracts. It's a tricky, it's a tricky lift, and I think it ultimately having better outcomes and better care is, of course, that everybody's, you know, it's that's our goal for anybody working in healthcare for the most part. And I think this would be a really Great partnership to be able to deliver on that. Well, and I think the exciting thing is that we're going to take, you know, as an example, we're going to be taking a lot of the expertise and the knowledge that we have in, in value-based contracting and really pulling together a strong data engine around that, right? That's come yeah. out. You've been doing that for years, but now to really begin to operationalize some of those key elements, not only are you going to help organizations really succeed and optimize their contracts, but it's going to help them to kind of think about what they need to do next to ensure that they're going to achieve that success going forward. Gene, any thoughts? Yeah, you know, we're very excited to do it too. And I just be able to take 
kind of our nerdiness and, and mix it with <laughs> work with organizations um, is going to be very powerful. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Well, to our listeners, if you're interested in learning a little bit more about QRC, their website is qrc-analytics.com. And of course, our website is luminahp.com. Stay tuned for even more information about what our combined integrated program um, is going to look like. And again, it's called QRC Luminate. Really excited about this. And of course, if any of our listeners are interested in talking more about it, learning a little bit more, understanding what the value would be, feel free to contact me directly or Gene and, and, and Paul as well. Um, Paul, I don't know, maybe if you want to give your uh, your email address, it might help some of our listeners. Sure, it's uh, paula.gallagher at qrc-analytics.com. If anybody has And I'm any sure questions. to our listeners, you're going to be hearing a lot more about this. Um, you know, Gene, I think certainly given your expertise, you're a wealth of information. I think as we start to you know continue to work together, continue to support providers, um, you know, I, I, I certainly want to continue our discussion and even talk about some of these other top of mind issues that will come out related to risk-based contracting. To our listeners, I want to thank everybody for listening in today. Again, these three episodes, I think, are were, were just great conversations. I would encourage folks to go back and, and listen to them. And again, anybody has specific questions on QRC Luminate, happy to answer them. Until the next insight, I am Daniel Marino, bringing you 30 minutes of value to your day. Thanks and take care. Are you at a crossroad with value-based care? Do you need to chart a future strategy or improve your organization's performance? Visit us at LuminaHP.com to learn more about our professional advisory services and leadership development programs. Also, you can sign up for our newsletter on our website and follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn. To connect with Daniel Marino or for more information about the show, visit our website or healthcarenowradio.com. Join this conversation using our hashtag BBC Insights. We are Lumina Health Partners. Thank you for joining us today. Until the next value-based care insight, stay well.